things theology, all things theology. We chop it up properly without an apology. Gotta get that theology to God, hallowed because this is how we do it at all things theology. Well, grace and peace, grace and peace, saints. Hope, hope your Easter service was well. I had a good day with the brethren. Thinking about the resurrected Christ. You know, there's not a lot of churches, man, that glory in the resurrection all year. You know, Easter is nothing new for us because, you know, we we, we talk about the resurrection all the time in our church. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but, <laughs> but it was great to hear a Christ-centered sermon as frequently we do at our church. Speaking of Easter service, we're not going to go into it. Might have to do a soul video about it, but Mike Todd had a, I don't even want to call that an Easter service because it was a, I don't know, a, a, it's a, a service not focused on the resurrection of Christ. Christ can no longer be called an Easter service. Boy, right? ain't no way, boy. Boy, ain't no way, boy. And so, not going to talk about that today and to uh, into in depth i did just release a short so after this live go and check that out you can see a preview of what's being called easter at transformation church maybe their transformation what it means to be transforming what it means to be a resurrection or easter service or christ-centered service so there's that no we are going to talk about a sermon that was done a couple weeks ago you know where he's wearing this super loud suit right <laughs> Uh, the loudest red suit I've ever seen. I mean, I, I, I give him credit. That's the reddest suit I have ever seen. Um, but the sermon was on tithing and money principles. And let me just say this because some people think I tend to just only see the bad. There were true things Mike Todd said. Generally, every false teacher says true things. That's how they get you in, right? Not everything. is. I mean, Satan says true things, so... That's usually what people do when they uh, when they'll disagree with my analysis. They'll say, "Wait, well, hey, he said something true over here." I agree. <laughs> um, that's how they get you in. It's a little truth or a lot of truth mixed in with the little lies. That's the problem. That's dangerous. The lies part, right? Um, this sermon was pretty. I, I feel like that's getting redundant. Like, there's no need for me to even say that because that's you can apply that to every sermon of Mike Todd. Every sermon of Mike Todd is bad. Um, going from months ago where I really started listening, it's very bad. Um, prosperity gospel. I, I, and yet, I don't want to hear anybody say he's not prosperity gospel after we play the clips we play. Um, yeah, 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 that's right. If the pastor don't start off with, he is risen, if the congregation say, <laughs> right, I need to hear that echo, right? He's risen indeed. What kind of Easter service is it, right? All right. <laughs> That's funny. That's true. Um, well, you need to learn how to spell if you're going to tell me I'm under falsehood. But, you know, I haven't even said anything yet. Really controversial. <laughs> Stick around. Uh, that's my good modalist friend there who believes Jesus is the father. So I haven't even said anything to make him disagree. But, hey, uh, you know, I guess heretics bring out other heretics. But. Nevertheless, um, I was listening to this sermon because, some again, I don't actually listen to Mike Todd's sermons unless people tell me, hey, 
you should go check it out, right? <laughs> and so, matter of fact, I think it was Pastor Trey. It might have been him. No, it wasn't. It wasn't him. Somebody else was like, you got to listen to that tithing sermon. I was like, what tithing sermon? They were like, you know, the one where he's dressed like a, <laughs> he, uh, 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 what's, what's those <laughs> suckers? <laughs> what's those particular ones? Uh, forget it, it's a little kid, got the little gummy inside. That's how Mike Todd is dressed. I'll give you a little preview. If you think I'm joking, look, I mean, look at this, right? Nevertheless, we're going to get to the contents of the sermon. How he dresses is actually not a big deal. But what he says is problematic. And so let's not waste too much time. By the way, if you're liking this video or yeah, watching this video, go ahead and give your boy a like. OK, that's all I'm asking. Let's get the algorithms up. People to watch this because we need people in Transformation Church to see their uh, their pastor. Right. They need to hear this because I'm, 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 I'm thinking as I'm listening to the sermon. Yeah, there it is. Uh, yeah, uh, charm pop. That's what it is. Yeah, I'm thinking as I'm listening to this sermon, are people actually listening with their Bibles open? Uh, I'm like, there, there can't be. Boy, ain't no way, boy. Right? Boy, ain't no way, boy. Cause I'm asking myself as I'm listening. Hey, who man's is this? Oh, man's is this? You know, cause I, I tell myself, look, I'm going to leave Mike Todd alone, but. Every time I try to leave, something keeps pulling me back, me back. I, so, so you guys are the problem. <laughs> right? You guys send me a sermon. I listen and I'm like, I gotta, I'm going live. I'll go live next week, you know? So let's get into this first clip here. If it stops with you, it no longer has a flow. And the reason that God has not been able to supply many of his people with more is because they stop the flow. Today, I want to unplug. I want to put some dynamite in the area of your life that's been damming up your blessing. And I want to bust a hole. Ooh, I feel this thing. I want to bust a hole in the thought process that has kept you in a place where you have not been able to walk in the fullness of what God has designed for every one of his children when it comes to the area of finance, stewardship, and generosity. And so we're gonna, I'm going to play it again because I'll respond to particular things, but I want you to hear. Guys, you know how I do here. I want you to listen to, what I'm, what, to what's being said and be able to provide a response. So let's Let's play that black. Let's play that back. If it stops with you, it no longer has a flow. And the reason that God has not been able to supply many of his people with more is because they stop the flow. So God is wanting to supply you with more. But the problem is. Right. Um, you're blocking the flow. Right. Whatever that means. Right. So God is wanting to do something, but he can't because of you. And so what this actually causes people to do is actually, um, you know, this is actually the condemnation of the prosperity gospel message, right? When they see someone poor, even though they've been doing all the right things like tithing, and we're going to get to that in a second, right? The reason why they haven't broken through and gotten the thing is because it's something still in their life that they aren't doing. So maybe they need to tie more, tithe more. Maybe they need to come to more church services. Maybe X, fill in the X, right? 
The problem is always the same. You. Now, biblically, that's not always the answer. You know, now, yeah, you can be bad stewards of your money and suffer consequences. Absolutely. Um, but that's not what he's talking about solely. Because watch what he says here in a second. Today, I want to unplug. I want to put some dynamite in the area of your life that's been damning up your blessing. And I want to bust a hole. Ooh, I feel this thing. I want to bust a hole in the thought process that has kept you in a place where you have not been able to walk in the fullness of what God has designed for every one of his children when it comes to the area of finance, stewardship, and generosity. So every Christian is supposed to be financial. Uh, that's the fullness, matter of fact. I, I, I don't see scripture referring to uh, earthly riches as the fullness of, of the Christian life. You know, that's one issue. Um, but, but notice he says every Christian is supposed to be experiencing financial, uh, you know, uh, well, financial, uh, you know, riches. I mean, move over the Apostle Paul, right? I mean, we'll let we will let Mike Todd tell you what true Christianity is. Well, there's a problem with his view. A major problem with his view. Um, let's go to scripture, right? You know how we do here. This was the exact message the Apostle Paul rebuked in 1 Corinthians. Start at chapter 4, verse 8, right? You are already, and, and, and there's a lot of apostolic um, sarcasm going on here that the Apostle Paul is using. Notice, notice, the, notice this. You are already filled. You have already become rich. You have become kings without us. <laughs> right? There are certain people saying they've already begun to reign. Right? And Apostle Paul said, well, you're doing it without us. And he says, indeed, I wish you had become king so that we also might reign with you. He's joking. You say you are a king, but you're really not. Right? For I think God has exhibited us apostles, last of all, as men condemned to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fool for Christ's sake, but you are prudent in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are without honor. Roughly treated and homeless and we toil, working with our own hands. We were reviled, we blessed. When we persecuted, we endured. When we were slandered, we tried to conciliate. We have become as the scum of the world, the dregs of all things, even until now. But no, Mike Todd is reigning on earth without the apostles, right? Without the rest of the body, right? Right? This is the danger of the prosperity gospel. It's an overrealized eschatology. It teaches that it is the will of God that every Christian be rich. That is not the case. You know, one, one of the reasons we know this, we'll get further into this here in a second. Um, scripture tells us God has created the poor and the rich alike. The Lord kills and he makes alive. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and rich. He makes low and he exalts. Now, this isn't speaking of an unbeliever believer, just in case someone tries to make that kind of chasm, because obviously the Lord kills believer and unbeliever. Right. He brings the shoal and raise up believer and unbeliever. So the shoal is uh, it's a reference to the uh, place of the dead. 
right? The Lord makes it's it's speaking it's speaking about yeah the humility and the exaltation. I mean, there are numerous poor Christians. There are numerous rich unbelievers, right? Being rich is not a sign of the fruit of the spirit, right? There are many poor Christians. There are many poor Christians, right? I mean, the apostles were poor. I mean, just read the, the hardship, and we're going to read some more verses on this, the hardships the apostles went through. We're going to see that Mike Todd does not believe that's supposed to be the case for the Christian. You know what these guys never support, never pray for? Suffering, as the Bible says, right? The Bible tells us we will suffer. Matter of fact, if you're a Christian, that's guaranteed, my friend. Right? But this is prosperity gospel teaching. And you want to know the sign of a prosperity preacher? They will turn every text into a proof text on how to get rich. They will turn every text, you know, we'll say like the blessing of the Lord. Well, see, that's supposed to mean you both go get rich. It will turn every text into a text about finances. Mike Todd is a prime example of that here found in this sermon. Right. And we're going to get into it some more. So let's move to this next clip. Yeah, yeah. I like this verse. But if we have food and clothing with these, that is the food and clothing, we will be content. Guys, there's nothing wrong with being riches. Don't or have being having riches. Don't hear me saying be poor. That's not the gospel message. But the gospel message is contentment. Whatever you have, we are content in these things. Right? See, these these pastors breed uncontentment in the in the uh the season you're in. If you told some of these people, God's designed you to never be rich. How many of these people would forsake the Lord? Right. How many would forsake the Lord? So we will continue. Everybody ignored tip time because we've debated him and he got embarrassed and it was a pretty big spectacle. So ignore tip. He has nothing beneficial to say. <laughs> so we'll keep going. Biggest example of this in my mind is Solomon. Most scholars and theologians believe he was the richest man that ever lived. One of them. And, and throughout the Bible, I mean, Solomon was a gangster. When, when it was customary to sacrifice one bull, which was currency back in the day, when it came time to dedicate the temple, he sacrificed a thousand when one was required. And that got God's attention so much that he visited Solomon in his Now, every time Mike Todd speaks on behalf of God, God sounds like a bit confused guy in the sky. Right. Watch this. James and said, hey, bro, what you want? Think about God coming and asking you right now. What do you want? He only can ask people what they want who have decided to have his idea about what resources are for. He comes to Solomon after this and said, what you want? Look at how gangster Solomon's answer is. All I want is wisdom to be able to take care of your people. God said, oh, no, you didn't. 
Oh, no, you didn't. I asked you what you want, and you could have said a Bentley. You now, doesn't God seem surprised in Mike Todd's view of God? Like, oh, no, you didn't. I didn't know you was going to say that. No, you didn't. What? God sounds so confused, so shocked. God is shocked that Solomon would ask for wisdom. Again, this is the confusion and the man-centered, anthropocentric view of God that Mike Todd has. God is so shocked on the answer Solomon gives. He didn't know it, apparently. No, you didn't. No, you, uh, uh, you could have asked for said a mansion you could have said a palace you could have said power and what you want is the right thinking again god sounds like someone who is taking in knowledge who is learning about solomon's answer so much for an omniscient god who knows all things who knows before we go before we say yeah i i, I got you sis i i i, I got you what? Bro, what are you talking about, man? Hey, who man's is this? Oh, man's is this? Mike Todd is projecting himself onto God. This is what you have a lot. I learned this from a, 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 a friend of mine. This is what you have in man-centered theology, right? They look into the well, you know, where you draw water. They look into the well of religion, right? And what do they see bouncing back at themselves? Them, right? And so that's how man, generally, right? Man-centered religion decides what God looks like. It's just a reflection of themselves, right? They are looking to the water and say, I'm like this. So God must be like this, right? The well of Mike Todd is being projected onto the God of high heavens, who knows all things, who isn't surprised about anything, Mike Todd is projecting that onto God. You see why we keep saying Mike Todd, Transformation Church is very dangerous? No one's taking Mike Todd out of context. I constantly get accused of that. I'm keeping him in. I want this Charlotte to stay in full context because he is dangerous. I listened. And guys, if I wanted to be petty, I would put more stuff in there. But I only get the big things. I only get the large things, the things that are like, okay, look, this is indefensible. And I have numerous clips. <laughs> Imagine if I was just being petty and just getting the little stuff, right? But let's continue with this. Angels, I got to do something unprecedented. And then you got God react. I, I guess I got to do something unprecedented. I got to do something unprecedented. I, again, God is shocked. God is in dismay. Now he's thinking of a plan to do and he's collaborating with the angels, you know, who aren't omniscient themselves and trying to devise something because God was apparently shocked with Sol Sol Solomon said, I want wisdom. This is terrible, guys. This is terrible. And you have people, yeah, <laughs> I can't believe it either. I got to change. This baby wants the right thoughts. He wants my thoughts. So, Solomon, I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm going to give you everything you didn't ask for, too. He literally, he was blessed, by the way. 
What I'm telling you is if you digest all this stuff that I'm saying to you right now and you get your thinking right, if you get this right, if you even if you ain't got it, you get this right. God says, now I can bless you with what you didn't even ask for because what I asked for is the thinking of the kingdom. Okay, so that's number one. So that's Mike Todd's, you know, if you get your thinking right, right. Now I can bless you. And we know the blessing is financial. That's what this whole sermon was about, right? If you get your mind right, you think rightly, i.e. be repentant, I guess. Now God can bless you. So I guess what's the inverse of that? If you aren't rich, then that means you haven't repented, right? Wouldn't that be the obvious conclusion of what he's saying? Right? See, this is the absurdity of the prosperity gospel. Is they turn riches into the fruit of the spirit, which by all accounts, the apostles would not be a Christians according to their theology. See, this is the absurdity of the prosperity gospel movement. The very thing they claim the apostles didn't have. But. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is his case. Get wisdom, get wealth. Right. Again, like I've said, uh, <laughs> yeah, does Mike Todd not realize Solomon was a king? Exactly. Yes, he was a king. He wasn't just some common man. Right. But it gets worse. Remember, I said when you are a prosperity gospel preacher, you will see that in every text, even if that is not the point of the text. So let's check this out. That's why Joseph, oh, no, no, no. Let's, let's wait on Joseph. Let's just go to Luke chapter 14, verse 28. It says, but don't begin until you count up the cost. Like, like the reason I'm telling you to spend feasibly, because you got to count up the cost. Where's your budget? How much is it going to cost to do what you need to do? How much, you, how much do you need to actually go on that trip? God is saying to you right now, count up the cost. <laughs> So this guy thinks Luke is Luke 14, you know, is talking about cost, literally cost. That is not what is being discussed. Hold on a second. Let me see something. I should have done this before. <laughs> I got one for you because, you know, y'all know how I like to do it here. I got to take you to the Greek. I got to take you to the Greek. Um, Let's see. <laughs> yeah, Luke 14, 28. Let me look this up real quick. Because it's not actually talking about financial costs. That is that is that is absolutely absurd uh, that he concludes that it is talking about actual money. Um, this is yeah, this is eisegesis at the max. Um, so when he talks about costs, it's not talking about, um, you know, from the context, we're, we're, matter of fact, let me uh, let me let me just show you the text. That, that will be easier. That will be easier and more beneficial. Um, let's read this together. He's not Jesus isn't talking about money. He's talking about like the the out like have you considered what this is worth? What he's saying and what's actually the cost of what he's talking about is discipleship. Have you considered what it is to follow me? Jesus is saying. Let's read the text starting at verse 25. One thing you won't do is Mike Todd give you actual context. Right. Verse 25. Now, large crowds were coming. were going along with him 
And he turned and said to them, now, one thing I love about Jesus, when large crowds gather around Jesus, that's when Jesus would say the most hard things. You know, John 6, where you had the 5,000 following him after they just got fed. Jesus said to them, you are not my sheep. Man, Jesus would say tough things when lots of people would come and follow him. Be weary when a lot of people come and follow you, right? Sometimes you just need to preach on the hell when there's a lot of people, right? When lots of people would come to Jesus, that's when he would preach some of his toughest messages. As a matter of fact, they're going to say that. That's why Joseph. Oh, no, no, no. Let's, Sorry, let's let wait. share my screen. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother. See, Mike Todd didn't read that part. And wife and children and brother and sisters. Yes. And even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. Loving Jesus many times, oftentimes, will look like hatred to even your own family, right? To even your own family. Even your own life, right? Because we do not follow our own will, right? We're not just antinomians. We're not doing whatever we want, right? Notice what Jesus says. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. This is the cost Jesus is talking about. Not how to budget your uh, checkbook. Not how to get your 401k in line. That's not what he's talking about. Notice what he goes on to say. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost? Hmm. How are we going to go about to do this to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation, he is not able to finish. All who observe it will begin to ridicule him, right? The man began to build and was not able to finish it. That's the point of Jesus, right? And, and don't we know many people like this in Christendom? They, they quote unquote, right, begin the walk of a disciple, but they don't, but they don't endure, Jesus is condemning that. And that is the cost of the discipleship of what he's talking about. Right? Not how you can budget your checkbook better. Where's this guy getting that from? Right? Right? Yeah, man. Um, yeah, what what about right? He says this man began to build, was not able to finish, or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle. Will not first down sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter one, encounter the one coming against him with 20,000, right? Or else, while the other is still far away, he send a delegation, ask for the terms of peace, right? He's like, you're not ready for war. Look, we, we, we need to come to peace, <laughs> right? So then none of you can be my disciple. It, who does not give up all his own possessions. There's a reason why Mike Todd <laughs> did not read the conclusion of the verse. Because considering Christ, look, we, we do not hold to anything tightly. Our relationships, our friendships, our family, our money, all is with an empty hand when it comes to our commitment to the Lord Jesus. Amen? Otherwise, we're committing idolatry. But Mike Todd told you Luke 14 was about 
how to get your money in order, how to balance your checkbook. Y'all want to hear that again? That's why Joseph, oh, no, no, no. Let's, let's wait on Joseph. Let's just go to Luke chapter 14, verse 28. It says, but don't begin until you count up the cost. Like, like the reason I'm telling you to spend feasibly, because you got to count up the cost. Where's your budget? How much is it going to cost to do what you need to do? How much, you, how much do you need to actually go on that trip? God is saying to you right now, count up the cost. Again, that is not the point of that passage. Again, we're going to use another example. When, you're, when you see prosperity, when you are a prosperity preacher, you see prosperity gospel in every text. You don't believe me? God is saying, I want you to be thinking right now about transferring. Okay, number five, I'm almost done with all of these. Number six, oh, this is my favorite. Savor fully. Have you ever had good food? And it, it was so good you ate slower? Come on, let's like, what is that meal for y'all? What is the meal that like, come on, somebody said chicken stew, porterhouse steak. Come on, yell at me. What is the food that you savor? What'd you say? Salmon and spinach, mac and cheese. What'd you say? Oxtails, Jamaican food. Yeah, 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 bop, bop, bop. Okay, what, what else? Come on, come on. What, what's some food? What'd you say? Crab legs. And he said, keep it going. Come on, give me a couple more. What'd you say? Filet mignon. And how about desserts? Cheesecake and pound cake. And hey, somebody quickened and got the spirit for the first time in the service. Okay. Okay. We heard oxtails. You hungry? Be quiet. No, just fine. Okay. What I'm saying is we have all eaten something that was so good, we had to take more time to enjoy it. This is something the church has done a really bad job when it comes to finances. It makes you think that you can't enjoy finances. And what I'm saying is when you manage what God has given you correctly, then you can savor fully what he's given you. The Bible says taste and see. That the, everybody's supposed to go see the beach. Taste and see that the Lord is good has nothing to do with this message he's been giving here. Right. Let me go back a little bit. Taste and see that the Lord is good as we have tried the Lord. Right. We, we have tested him, so to speak. Right. We, we've God says do this and we've seen the blessing in obeying God. Right. Tell this to third world countries, Mike Todd. Tell this to, 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 to little kids suffering in third world countries like Haiti. Are you saying that only rich people can see that God is good? That's the conclusion of what you're saying. If you're saying this is because notice what he's about to say. Watch what he's about to say. That the, everybody's supposed to go see the beach. Everybody's supposed to be able to see God's glory. If you want to see one of the eight uh, wonders of the world, is it eight or seven? Which one is it? Okay, seven wonders of the world. Somebody's like, eight. It is eight. Uh, it is eight. <laughs> I, I believe that you're supposed to experience this life. 
Everybody's supposed to see the beach. Everybody's supposed to go see the seven wonders of the world. I don't recall seeing that in scripture. I, I mean, he says everybody's supposed to experience this life. Well, everybody does do that since they're living. You don't, you don't have to go see et cetera, et cetera, to experience life. I mean, if you're living, you're experiencing life. Everybody's supposed to go to see the beach. God has made the rich and the poor alike. Some people will never do that. And that's such a Western thing anyway, right? That's such a modern kind of people going to the beach, right? Um, like to, 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 right? Well, we know, you know what he does at the beach, but we're not going to get into that, right? Not, no, not everybody is called to see those things. Some people will never see those things and it's okay. Now, Again, I am not saying to not enjoy yourself. Go on vacation. That's that's perfectly fine to do those things. Don't feel condemned. But it's the issue of what he's saying. Taste and see that the Lord are good. Well, if you if you, you're not able to do that, because he says, well, I believe everybody's supposed to do that. Give us scripture, Mike Todd. Taste and see that the Lord good has nothing to do with your vacation to the beach. How'd you get that? Yeah, yeah, and some people can see the beach, but it might might be the beach they want to go see, all right? <laughs> Taste and see that the Lord, yeah, so, yeah, someone says, so does that mean that God isn't good if we don't go to the beach? Right? Fair question. <laughs> it's out of seven spirits. <laughs> it's seventh wonders of the world, right? Yeah. Um. Again. I have no problem. I would have no problem if Mike was saying, hey, man, this will be great if everybody could see it. But he says everybody's supposed to see it. This, and based it on taste and see the Lord is good. He based it on that scripture. See, this is the problem. This is the man. If I can imagine. Uh, and, and that's one thing. I don't really care for beaches. So that's not like a, that wouldn't convince me that the Lord is good. What about those people? Right. Um, man, just, just so anthropocentric. Again, this is Mike Todd. He likes going to the beach. So taste to see that the Lord is good. Well, Mike Todd sees that God is good at the beach. So therefore, if you want to see God is good, got to go to the beach. Everybody's got to see it. Absurd. How does the homeless person supposed to know God is good? Mike Todd. Right. How, how, how is the person who's, who's in camp? Who's, who's, who's dying from cancer, who is unable to move from their deathbed, supposed to see that God is good, Mike Todd? Is this what you would tell the person who's about to die? Well, hey, you want to see God is good? You got to travel, see the seven wonders of the world. I'm about to die in three hours. What are you talking about? You know, they would say this. Wait a minute. Who are you? Who are you? I'm about to die and you're telling me in order for me to experience God is good, I got to go see all that? Oh, man. Terrible. Terrible. Well, if you think it does not get worse, we've only just begun. <laughs> now I'm going to give you the secret. All of those you can do without God. The six that I just gave you, are principles that you can work without having a relationship with God. And this is why there are people 
that have money in the world, and you'll be like, they're not even saved. And they're talking about make it clap, make it clap, booty tap, booty tap. And how? Mike Todd has a amazing, and I don't use this word in a positive way, amazing way to um, bring up sexual features in every sermon of his. No joke. I mean, just kind of weird, man. the world are they throwing hymns and doing all this other stuff because there are principles in the earth that work whether you believe god or not and churches don't want to tell you this i'm telling you oh but there's one thing what does it profit a man to gain the entire world they can have that no so so there are some people who who live counterintuitive to god so he's saying, well, they're obeying principles found in the Bible. They're not giving glory and honor to God. They're not doing all this, et cetera, et cetera. Just God reigns his, his uh, riches, right? On the just and the unjust. That's what my Bible tells me. Not because they've obeyed some principles found in the Bible. Super strange, man. But have no peace. It's not worth it. And that's why I tell people, you can have millions of dollars in the bank, but if your soul is bankrupt, it doesn't matter. But number seven is the secret. Here is the secret, guys. You want riches, even though he's already said you can get that prior to this point. So I don't, this point is kind of, <laughs> it, it contradicts what he just said. But nevertheless, you want it, here is the secret to making it happen. It really should be around the top of your page, but I saved it because I told you I was going to give you seven secrets to simple stewardship. This is the one that everybody has to get. Number seven, set apart the forbidden. Set apart the forbidden. This one is tithing. Now, you knew it was going to get to this point, right? They always got to bring up tithing, right? What is a tithe? Biblically speaking, tithing had to do with produce or the land. These guys always turn tithing into, a, um, you know, giving your actual money. They're not receiving, uh, you know, actual food and things like that. They're receiving money, you know? Um, and, and another thing, tithing was given to the, to the priests who were Levites in the sacrificial system. How does that actually fit in this typology? He's trying to pour over with new Testament giving, by the way, tithing and new Testament giving are not the same thing. Tithing was under the old covenant. Um, the Bible, the new Testament nowhere tells us to tithe. He's going to try to make a case for it and he's going to just fall flat on his face in classic Mike Todd form right um yeah tithing let's look at a few verses a couple verses on this two verses on this uh proverbs 3 9 speaks of and it tells you what a tithe is it tells you honor the lord with your wealth with the first fruit of all your crops then your barns will be filled to overflowing your vats will be brimmed over with new wine the first fruit of all your crops that was the tithe Second uh, Chronicles 31, 4 and 5, he ordered the people living in Jerusalem to give the portion due to the priest 
and Levites so they could devote themselves to the law of the Lord. So the tithe was given to the priests, what, right, given to, given to God on behalf of the priests, or maybe the other way around, but you get the point I'm trying to get at, so that they could live and wouldn't have to work, right? As soon as the order went out, the Israelites generously gave the first fruits of their grain, new wine, olive oil, honey, and all that the fields produced. They brought a great amount, great amount, a tithe of everything, that is, that which was produced, right? So this principle that many people try to connect today is, is it doesn't even apply. I, I mean, I, I guess you could say, hey, well, people should be giving produce, but no one's doing that in these churches. They aren't giving an actual produce of the land. They aren't giving tomatoes and avocados, none of that. They want the real money. They want the money. But that's not what a tithe was, biblically speaking. And it was given to the priests. Biblically speaking, we're all priests in Christ. Right? So Mike Todd should be giving me my tithe then, if you want to make that connection. He need to give the people in his church their tithe. If they're Christians, they are all priests in Christ. So again, he wants to make this connection but the application does not actually follow. But let's hear his point. Dang. Hold on, Pastor Mike. You uh, <laughs> this has been great up until this point. Um, uh, no, it hasn't. <laughs> it's still been terrible. What is he talking about? Really practical, really biblical. I like what you've been saying. But you want me to set apart what's been what's forbidden? Yeah. God requires. All the way back to the garden. Set apart the forbidden. Set apart. How does that even make sense? The tithe wasn't forbidden. What is he What is he talking about? I, I don't even get what that even means. But we'll continue. That I will always have something that I'm going to test you with. Can we go back to Adam and Eve? Watch this. What did he say? To Watch this, guys. If... Hold on to your seats. Watch this. Can we go back to Adam and Eve? What did he say to them? You can eat of every tree in this garden. But this one right here, I set it apart. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, maybe you've never thought about this. It was the garden's tithe. There's good reason no one has ever thought about that. Because I've read Genesis numerous times. I, I don't think it's unsafe to say over a hundred times. Nowhere does it call it a, a tithe. Nowhere in the rest of scripture is the, the forbidden tree, right? It's <laughs> called a tithe. People still ate of the tithe. It was the Levites. It was the priests. So this doesn't even make any sense. How is it a tithe? Who tithe it? This, this, <laughs> my. <sighs> no, 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 no. No, 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 no. What? What's wrong with you people? What does the word say? Why would you say that? Why would you say that? This is a super reach. Inspector Gadget reach. 
the 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 and guys it's going to get worse it is going to get worse please stick around please stick around yeah the tithe is still eaten so that doesn't make any sense so god tithe himself dutch stick around my friend you speak better than you know you speak better than you know Stick around. Stick around. This is completely absurd. And watch his reaction. That's nasty. Yeah, it is nasty. Because it's unbiblical. Yeah, somebody needs to throw their tithe at Mike Todd. The classic play example. You said it cannot get worse. I wager... Your 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 tithe and I double dog tithe you <laughs> to, to state it can get way worse than this. Although this is bad, this is bad. And why did they get kicked out of the garden? Cause they ate what was supposed to be set apart. A tithe was never. Uh, again, a tithe was eaten. Again, I've already shown how it was given to the Le Le Levitical priest. Who you think ate it? You think they just put the produce to let it waste? It was given to the Levite priests so they wouldn't have to work. So they can focus on the things of the law. Now, there is a similarity with this in the New Testament. It's our free giving. Not a tithe, though. But I think he just thought of that. It was like, I'm going to do it. Okay. Okay. What I'm telling you is that in the kingdom, 10% of everything that you get in increase, God says it's set apart for me. I don't like that. Don't matter. I don't think that's fair. Well, I thought that was Old Testament. Yeah, and it's New Testament, and it was before the law. It's, it's not New Testament. Again, the, the Bible, only time you refer to the, in the New Testament is referred to tithe. It's always referring either back to like what they did or some Pharisee practice. But it's never commanding us to do it. Matter of fact, you actually see the opposite. And we're going to get into those texts. Stick around. I'm going to demonstrate that. Um, matter of fact, no, this is a good time to do it. This is a good time. Uh, where are we? Um, let's see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, sorry, one second. I have to pull it up here. Yeah, let me let me share my screen here. Right, uh, First, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, it is the giving chapter, right? If you want to see a biblical view of giving and practicing your church, 2 Corinthians 9 is a good one, right? Um, let's start at verse, um, verse 5. Um, yeah, verse 5. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to arrange and advance for the gift you had promised. So that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. Now, what is an exaction? It's a gift expecting something in return. The very thing these tithing people tell you, they always tell you, you should expect 
a hundredfold, ninetyfold, thirtyfold, a hundredfold from your giving. Paul says, no, you shouldn't. He says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, you know, not under a 10% tithe, for God loves a chill forgiver. Give freely, the Bible says. Expect nothing in return, the Bible says. Um, there's another text that is, oh boy, where is it? Where do I have it at? Um, I think it's uh I think it's first Corinthians 16. So let me look at it. There's another text on this as well. This, you know, the Bible actually does talk a lot of the New Testament talks a lot about giving, but not in this context, not what he's trying to say. Notice what it says. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. So, so Christians, we should be giving. Right? I'm not I'm not rejecting that. He says, on the first day of every week, each each of you is to put something aside. Notice, notice what it says. Put something aside, not a tithe aside. The, the, the New Testament practice is give what you can. Now, we should be generous in our giving if we are able to. Right? Give what you can. Put something aside and store it up. As he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those who are accredited by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. So this this church giving would help multiple churches. And so, again, the New Testament practice is give freely, not under compulsion, not expecting something in return. Give, give what you can, give what you want. Not demanding this 10 percent. And by the way, we're going to get into. Uh, hold on, I got to bring something up on you. This is, I want to talk about this 10%, what it leads to when you tell people, you demand people that they are obligated about this uh, 10% giving. Uh, let me see here. So I got I to gotta have this up here. Oh, uh, actually, I got it in my, I, I have so many things I, I want to get to, need to get to. Uh, <laughs> so much, so much stuff going on. Um. Let's see. Is this it? Oh, I'll find it here in a second. Um, maybe I didn't. Um, I'll find it here in a second. I'll find it here in a second. But yeah, give freely, guys. That's the New Testament command. But we're not done. Let's keep going. What is the only way you can rob somebody who's in authority? You don't rob God of money, you rob God of the opportunity to bless you. How can a man rob God? Not doing things his way, and he cannot reward you the way he wants to reward you because you didn't do it the way. Are you still loved? Yes. So how you rob God is you don't tithe, and that robs you of an opportunity. Now, he said something true prior to this that I didn't put here. He says it's actually impossible to rob God. But he's actually going to say a second in a second, we're going to be you can rob God. You rob your opportunity. Pretty much you're being robbed of your opportunity. Right. Which is absurd. It's still a robbing. 
This is let me let me play this back. Let me play this back. You can rob somebody who's in authority. You don't rob God of money. You rob God of the opportunity to bless you. How can a man rob God? Not doing things his way. And he cannot reward you the way he wants to reward you because you didn't do it the way. Are you still loved? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we have power over him to bless us. God, God wants to, but he has his hands tied behind the back because you, you, you put him up in a loophole. You, you, you tied God's hands behind his back. Now he can't. This is consistent with Mike Todd's, you know, you can't do anything theology. Right. This is the theology of Mike Todd where God wants to do something, but is enabled by you. Yeah. Shout out to my man, Travis Berry. He said, this is the genie in the bottle version of prayer, but applied to giving. Absolutely. Yeah. This is very transactional if you think about it. If you do the right thing, you'll get the right thing. Right. That is Mike Todd's theology here. It's very transactional. It's very works based, too. If you think about it, what he's actually saying. If you do the right thing, God is obligated now to bless you. Which is very dangerous. Because, you know, like so, I, it, it, it takes away the mercy and the grace of God. This theology when applied everywhere else, is heretical. Because now, if you do the right thing, God now has to give you something. Not as a, a, a gift or, you know, but as a reward. You He owes you this. Hey, that's his words. You know, God's being robbed of an opportunity to bless you. If you do the right thing, now God has to bless you. Very sad. Are you still accepted? Yes. Are you still his child? Yes. But this thing that I have for you, I can't give you because you're disobedient. How did you rob God? You robbed me of the opportunity to bless you. If you would have just freaking done what I said to do. That's his uh, classic. God's frustrated. Man, I wanted to bless you, but. Man, I wanted to bless you, but you were disobeyed. And I can't give you what you want because. I don't know why I can't do it because I, I just can't. Uh, how many times have you been blessed despite disobedience in your life? And how many times have you been obeying yet you've suffered in your life? This is not a transactional one-to-one -one relationship and correlation Mike Todd is bringing up that the Bible talks about. It's not obey and everything in your life happens, right? God bless you. And it's not when you disobey. Yeah, you'll, you'll get everything. I guess God can't bless you. That's, it's not transactional like that. That, that is very fresh. Yeah. Is, God is so frustrated in heaven. That $200. You took that $200 from your side hustle and you gave it all to the mortgage company. And all I asked you to do was give me 20 of it. As if God needs money. Uh, Yeah, that might be wise to... You know, get ahead of your mortgage. <laughs> Anyways. Because it's mine anyway. You can't give it. You have to return it because it was his anyway. And you didn't. So shouldn't you give all of it? Anyways. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Man, I wanted you to live eternally with me, but you disobeyed. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. That was thinking that same correlation here. Um, yeah. What I had back here. And how many rebellious people do we know that look blessed? Um, matter of fact, there's a song. If I'm thinking of the right song, let me. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this song right here. It's fret not yourself because of evildoers. Right. Be not envious of wrongdoers. Why? Because they, they often seem to be ahead of us. Right. It often seems they're they're prospering. Right. It says, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. D delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. He will act. Right. There's, there's, oh, there's some other stuff in this verse that. Um, what does it say? Uh, other versions say, fret not yourself. Other versions say, uh, be not envious of wrongdoers right notice what it says better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked for the arms of the wicked shall be broken you know this <laughs> a lot of verses don't get read in certain churches but the lord upholds the righteous the wicked will perish the enemies of the lord are like the glory of the pastor they vanish like smoke they vanish away I, I like this. I like this verse. I have been young and now old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. Turn away from evil and do good. The Lord, the point is the Lord provides for his people, right? The Lord provides for his people. Even in the midst of what seems like the like the wicked are are prospering greatly. The Lord still provides for his people. Amen. Um let's see, was there any more of this video? So you make ah, I see God over the balcony of heaven, like God! Ah! God's oh I forgot that part was in there. Hold on, we gotta we gotta we gotta go back. God's about to cuss over the balcony of heaven. Because you disobeyed. And you didn't know what I had back here. So you make. Ah, I see God over the balcony of heaven like. Ah, ah, you dumb. God is God is frustrated with man. He's acting ah, like a big child in heaven. Mike Todd as a comparing him to. That is that is this foolish. Uh, every first and 15. They play me every time. And they don't know I got all of this stored up. So God's got all this, this big closet of treasures in heaven. You know, man, he, he wants to give if they could just make the right transaction and obey me. I'll give it to them. For those who manage what I give them right. So again, if you do the right thing, this is Spike, Th Spike Lee theology, right? Do the right thing. God will bless you. Can a man rob God? You rob him of the opportunity to bless you. What are you saying, Pastor Mike? Don't rob God of an opportunity to bless you. When I found this out, tithing became automatic for me.
on the 1st and the 15th at 12.01, I got it set up. Get out my account. <laughs> Bye. It, when I say it's automatic, because every time I honor God in that way, I give him an opportunity. Knock my socks off. So God apparently didn't have the opportunity prior to Mike Todd's obedience. This is what he's teaching, guys. This is why this is so dangerous. God now can, can have an opportunity that he didn't have prior to Mike Todd agreeing or, or, or obeying in tithing. This is blasphemous. This is a transactional God. This is how the pagan gods work. Right? That's how they work. God is not a, a transactional God. Obey, do right, blessing, uh, uh, you know, disobedience, poverty. That's not how it works. N at least not how scripture teaches it. Th again, that's why much of this is not giving scripture. You know, he's and, and then when he does give scripture, he just reads a verse like it proves his point. Like count the cost means budget your checkbook. That's absurd. Do whatever you want to do. Open. Let me just read it. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. I, I like what my brother here says. You can only be played if you are not knowing. God is all knowing. Amen, Lawrence. Yeah, you can't play God. <laughs> you cannot play God. Because uh, y'all going to see this. So I'm going to add that little phrase to Matthew chapter 3, verse 8, and watch this scripture come alive. I love the Bible. Well, <laughs> Even though you hate studying it. And this is proof. This, this is proof. When you have to add all this theology into the Bible, this is a clear example of eisegesis. And rob God of an opportunity to bless him. Yet you have robbed me of many opportunities to bless you but you say in what way have you have, have we robbed you of opportunities to bless us in tithe and offering mm. verse 9 you are cursed with a curse now this is the part i love to explain because people will be like uh-uh i'm not cursed because of what jesus christ did exactly now watch this befuddling of telling people they're still in a curse so when you come into the kingdom you step over into another level of protection but when you step out of the way the king says for you to do it the world we live in the fallen world is cursed already it's not that you get another curse you don't get no no you don't get another curse you just step out from under the protection and you do it culture's way. And so you enter curse until you step back into the kingdom's way of doing it. I didn't know we can step in the kingdom, step out. I, I mean, once you're converted, you're in the kingdom. You don't step out of the kingdom. Even, you know, when we sin, you're not stepping out of the kingdom, right? We're disobeying. Sure. No one's denying that. But notice, he still has Christians stepping into a curse. <laughs> he just says, well, they're not in a curse. They're stepping into a curse. It's a distinction without a difference. It's a distinction without a difference. So your salvation is secure. Even though you stepped into a curse, apparently. I, again, this is his theology. I don't believe what he just said. But again, this is the nonsense of Mike Todd. Stepping in the kingdom, stepping out. 
Wouldn't it mean if you step out of the kingdom, you're not saved? How are you out of the kingdom, but still saved? That's again, I don't, I'm not arguing that you could lose your salvation. I'm, I'm bringing the analogy he brought into his logical conclusion. But your money is scary. Why? Because I've chosen to do it culture's way. And this don't feel blessed. This feels cursed. <laughs> the theology of Mike Todd. Well, <clears throat> we, have, we have a little more. Hope you guys are still comfy. Um, cause this is where you get into some of the practical example. Here is a practical example of type. And I'm just going to play a lot of this. I'm not even going to be common a lot. So check this out. Okay. What's your name, sis? Amber. Amber, come here. Where you go to school? Oh, are you in the building? All right. All right, so I need you to, uh, yeah, come over here. You matching the set and you got your black and the red on? This is great. Okay, so I need you to do something for me, okay? Um, I'm going to give you something. This is 10 pennies. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. These are your pennies now. Which one is the tithe? Because that represents God's house. So, so whichever one is the tithe, I need you to put it in God's house. Which one's the tithe? What, what, this one? Okay. Why, why that one? Because it's the first one? I mean, it is the first one that I put down. Would it matter? Would it matter? Because they're each the same amount. No. The first one is the first place you give it. So, so, so take any of them. But the first one belongs to God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just put it. It's to God. All it is is yours. Now I need you to work the other six principles with this. I need you to spend in a way that is feasible. I need you to save fundamentally. I, I'm not going to tell you what to do with this. I'm just asking you to do something with it that it brings a return. Okay? But you honor God. These nine pennies are blessed. So now I'm going to give you nine, I'm going to give you 10 dimes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I need you to honor God with the tithe. Which one's the tithe? Go ahead. Just honor God with it. And then you take the rest of it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Can you honor God with the tithe? Just honor him with it. Yeah, just don't act confused. The rest of that's yours. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Could you just honor God with the tithe? It's just the first one. All this yours. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Could you just honor God with the tithe? Uh oh. Now, I was, I was curious because I use this example when I go out preaching. We'll get back to the video. I always tell people, hey, if I had a million dollars up here, people would come running. And funny enough, I did that this Saturday when I went preaching. And one dude said, you got a million dollars? He like proved my point. <laughs> but if I was offering Christ, people would be like, yeah, okay. 
we, a lot of people value money. So she's getting all emotional. Okay, okay, I don't want to hop on her too much. But if you tell them, man, I, your salvation is secure, will they be all emotional like that in the same way? I just think it's funny. We'll get back to the video. Uh-oh. See, see, which one's the tithe? That one. All of this is today, the only reason I can give you this is because you are a good manager with what I asked you to do with what I gave you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's a thousand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's a thousand. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Y'all can rejoice with those who rejoice. One, two, three, four, five, six. It takes a minute when you start getting up in increments. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It feels like there's not enough room on this table. Wow. One thing that's interesting is the analogy does not fit what's actually going on here. Because isn't the tithe like this isn't her tithe, right? It's, he's giving her. He's giving the tithe and making her tithe. So it doesn't, the analogy doesn't fit, which is the interesting thing. But that's generally how most Mike Todd analogies go. Ten thousand dollars. Can can you honor God with what's first? Can can you just honor God with the top? She shook her head. No, no, not at ten thousand. <laughs> Watch that again. Hold on. <laughs> with what's first? Can can you? Just <laughs> when that buddy get high, you see. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's funny. Oh, man. Honor God with the tithe. And she's like, okay, fine, I'll do it. I mean, do it. All of this is yours. Y'all better rejoice. It's easy money. Yo, this is easy. It's easy. When you honor God, when you do what he asks you to do, it doesn't matter if you're in a penthouse or you're in college. God says, honor me. I couldn't help but think of a scripture that was very applicable to this. One, she was forced to tithe the money she was given, but that's another verse. Right? Because he gave her all this money, right? I couldn't help but think of this verse, right? Beware of practicing your righteousness for men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your father who's in heaven. So when you give to the poor, right, she's just a college student. She ain't got no money. Do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets so that they may be honored by men. Yeah, everybody's looking at Mike Todd like, oh, this is so great. Right. Truly, I say to you, they have the reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be in secret. And your father who sees you, father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I couldn't help but think about that. 
Um, anyways, we'll keep going. Somebody shouted me, it's easy. I don't know you. And I don't know your situation, but God told me to call a college student up and to, to, to dis distribute. Let me, let me be very clear. This is not the church's money. This is me and Pastor Natalie's personal money. Okay, this is not a... He, he had to throw that in. <laughs> this, this is my money. You know, so I'm going to need that... I'm just playing. <laughs> example that somebody's going to... This is sacrificial giving. Again, why, why, why have to parade this? If God called you to do it, why'd you have to do this publicly? You could have obeyed Matthew 6. I, I don't know what you prayed for. But what God obviously wanted to display for everybody else to get how easy it is, is that when you do what God asks you to do. Yeah, if it's so easy, do it to everybody then. <laughs> he will supply all of your needs. Y'all can't even rejoice with her. That's crazy. Okay. I'm going to show you something. I'm going to just show you something. This is all God required for all of that. Now, I want, no, 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 no. Bring the camera so they can see it. This is what God asked for. This is what you get afterwards. Yeah, that's a great question. What did she actually sacrifice? Everything was given to her. <laughs> yeah, my man, Justice Jack said, I'm next. <laughs> yeah, the whole congregation lined up. It's, you said it was that easy. I'm, you better give me my, my time next, right? Uh, yeah, doesn't that look like a show? I saw some of you guys comment. Um, I saw some of you guys comment, and yeah, it looked like a game show. Like, so, so, make a deal with Mike Todd, right? <laughs> That's the game show name. Make a deal with Mike Todd. Not God, Mike Todd, right? Uh, Yeah, so, hey, and Mike Todd still expects, Mike Todd want a tithe of that money that's left over, right? She need to get that tithe. Well, if you doesn't, if you don't think it gets worse. Boy, ain't no way, boy. Boy, ain't no way, boy. It's going to get worse. I got to say this. Jingle bells, jingle bells. I'm not going to hell. You know what I'm saying? It gets worse. Well, ladies and gentlemen, here is the heresy of the day. He wants you to see that you can never outgive him. Can I say something to you that you maybe never thought of? Jesus was God's tithe. He sent his only and his first son on a maybe so that he could get an entire family of people to believe. It doesn't take faith to, to, to sow something after you already know you got it. So, for God so loved the world that he gave his only, he gave it first. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? Boy, ain't no way, boy. Boy, ain't no way, boy. Hey, yo, who man is this? 
Mike Todd just said the second second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, is the tithe of the Father. No, 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 no. What? How is Jesus? So let me let me see if I have this right. The Father gave ten percent. Of all that he had. So so the son is. Is this a 10% giving? He gave a 10% currency. I mean I thought Jesus. <laughs> how do you even respond to so much foolishness? Right. Nowhere in the Bible is Jesus connected. To the 10% tithe. He is connected to the Old Testament sacrificial giving. That is the sacrifice, right? The Lamb of God. John, that's what that's what they said. Uh, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Not behold the tithe of God who takes away the poverty of the world. What? Nowhere is Jesus connected to the sacrificial giving of, of the tithe. Or, yeah, the tithe. What? Let me play that again. Did I hear that right? He wants you to see that you can never outgive him. Can I say something to you that you maybe never thought of? Jesus was God's tithe. No, 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 no. Jesus was, so the father only gave 10%. What? He only gave 10% of what he had. So uh, he sent his only and his first son on a maybe. The father did not send the son on a mission, on a maybe mission. My Bible tells me, Matthew 121, his name shall be called Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. That Jesus will save everyone whom the father gave to him. The father did not go out on blind, a limb, blind limb, blind faith. I hope this works. Uh, we'll see. I hope it works. But that's isn't that how he's describing the sending of the son? First son on a maybe so that he could get an entire family of people to believe. It doesn't take faith to, to, to sow something after you already know you got it. So the father didn't know what would happen. Did you hear that? It doesn't take faith to, to, to sow something after you already know you got it. Yeah. It doesn't take faith to sow something that you already know you got it. Wouldn't that conclude that the father has no clue what would happen when he sent the son? I don't believe Mike taught because he's made numerous references, not just in this sermon, but in past sermons where it seems to indicate Mike Todd doesn't think God knows everything. Now, I'm going to be fair. Maybe he would say it in his proposition or theology, but all his examples deny that. So for God so loved the world that he gave his only, he gave it first. That is terrible theology. Yeah, maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't. But heck, we're trying it out. We're going to see. So who did God give the tithe to? That's the question. 
if the tithe's supposed to go to God, who did God tithe to? Again, questions we want to know considering the theology of Mike Todd. Well, Mike Todd says Jesus commands you to tithe. Let's see what verse he uses. Last point, tithing is biblical. The reason I've given you so many scriptures is because I want you to see this. Because people are like, this is this, this is this, this is this. Tithing is this. It's a play. Okay, cool. This is the only place that God said, test me. I double dog dare you to start tithing. And a lot of people don't like it because that Malachi scripture is in the Old Testament. And that's why I believe it's right where it's supposed to be because the principle is a test. It's a test. But what if I told you Jesus himself told us we ought to tithe? So we're about to hear where God tells us to do it, where Jesus tells us where to do it, right? That's what we're going to hear. An explicit command saying you as well need to tithe. Watch the eisegesis of this. Like if Jesus in red in your Bible said you ought to tithe, would you tithe? The crazy thing is some people are still thinking about it. Some people didn't even say, no, I said, would you tithe? Mm. Watch this. <laughs> Matthew chapter 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. For you pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin. Those are spices you put on your food. And you have neglected the weightier matter of the law. This is Jesus talking. You've neglected justice and mercy and faith. Watch this. These you ought to have done. You ought to tithe off of your increase without leaving the other undone. Jesus is saying, you need to do justice, mercy, and faith. And you need to give 10% or return 10% of everything that you get. Jesus said this. And there are people right now that's like, but does he really require it all the time? Now, if you actually pay attention what's read, the verse contradicts them. <laughs> I love it. Watch what they're tithing. What are they tithing? Mint, dill, and cumin. What does Mike Todd want? Money, Benjamins, right? Franklin's, right? He wants to, he don't want no mint. If you throw mint, dill, and cumin on the stage, you're going to get escorted out of Transformation Church. That ain't what he wants. Again, in this intertestamental period time, I, I know it's written in the New Covenant or in the New, New Testament books, but this is still under the Old Covenant, right? This is still under the Old Covenant. The New Covenant isn't going to start till Jesus' death and resurrection. So, yeah, they should have done this. But, again, the tithe clearly is something different than what Mike Todd is offering. That's not, we didn't see mint, dill, and cumin on that table up there. Right. <laughs> we saw we saw stacks and racks on that table. So, again, the verse and no, no, Jesus isn't telling uh, uh, the people to uh, th this isn't telling us to do it. It's just describing what they should have been doing under the old covenant law. So, again, it actually Jesus isn't doing what he said uh, he was going to tell us Jesus did. Clear eisegesis. Clear eisegesis. Well, 
yeah, as, as Sister April says, this is, a, this is not a didactic verse, nor does it apply to believers. That's right. If you found a verse of Jesus telling, hey, sacrifice should happen, are you now going to tell people to sacrifice in biblical days or, or, t or today? That would be absurd. Again, Jesus is speaking to people who are under the old covenant law. Um, so, yeah, we got some more. Let's get into this. Another example. I'm going to send each of you $10,000 a month. And all I'm asking you to do is give my wife $1,000 a month. So that's it. You get to keep the other nine. Okay. But I'm providing the funds. I'm giving them to you. Please give them to my wife every month. So I'm on the phone caking with Natalie one night. Y'all remember caking? Y'all don't know nothing about caking. That just showed my age. I was on the phone caking. So Mike Todd is playing the role of God, right? And he, you know, give to his wife, i.e. the church. That's the context of his analogy. What you doing? What you doing? What you wearing? What you wearing? Like that. And I said, oh, hey, tell me about those extra funds. Have they been coming to you? And she was like, yeah. She was like, Will? Will? Oh, and uh, uh, man, this is why I love that you guys put input. And like I said, this is a collective podcast. The point was the weightier matters of the law. Yes, that's exactly right. Mike Todd calls tithing the key of the kingdom. That doesn't sound, that sounds like the weightier part. The point is, <laughs> he makes tithing larger emphasis than Jesus did in that passage that we were just in. Good, good catch, uh, Lawrence sends a thousand dollars every month like clockwork like the first the 15th i mean it comes every time it's like clockwork i say okay i like that what about joe and he said joe mike joe sends two thousand every month and i said i said i only ask him for one thousand she's like i know but every like clockwork he sends two thousand every month i said okay and, and, and what about Trader? I mean, Scott. She said, well, we got to talk about Scott. The, the first month, Scott sent 700. The second month, he sent 400. And this last month, he didn't send anything. Scott didn't send nothing? I gave him the 10,000. I told him to only give you one. He can keep the other nine. Why in the world wouldn't he give the resources to my bride? You know what I'm going to do? I'm no longer going to send Scott the $10,000. I'm going to send Joe what I was going to send Scott. And I'm going to send Will. <laughs> Get away from him. I rebuke you. <laughs> And that's what people try to do. They try to get mad at who God's blessing. But you mismanaged. All I'm going to do is funnel it through the ones I can get it through. Could tithing be more personal to God than we think? Because it's the thing that he gives us resources to take care of his bride. The bride of Christ. Thank y'all. This is what I came to the conclusion of. If tithing is based on how much you, right, if how much you get is based on how much you give, 
why not give a hundred percent? That way, God, you know, if you get ten thousand, maybe God will give you a hundred thousand back, right? If that's the principle, the more generous you are, the more you can get. I mean, that, that doesn't seem to make sense. Why, why only give 10%? Like the guy, he gave 20%. Why, why not? I'll, if that was the case, just give your whole check to the church. See what happens then. Listen to me. I always lose what I mismanage. God told you to give it. You just hold on. You see, she said, I got to get this out my purse right now. Here, no, 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 no. This type of reaction is what has to well up on the inside of you. Baby girl, what I'm telling you right now. I'm reminded of the, the young woman, the woman who, um, who gave all that she had. And I know I've given my uh, biblical analysis of that text. I know many people think that's about giving and tithing, but it's actually about how people will manipulate I, and I've given my evidence for this. It's about people. She gave her last penny, right? Or denarii. She gave all she had, right, to the Pharisees, a religious abusive system, right? And she was being taken advantage of. I show that. And, and texts like this cause people, especially who are poor, to be taken advantage of and to give all that they have to try to get. It, it, sermons like this breed covetousness. They breed more. Right. Because that's constantly what you're telling the people. If you give more, you'll get more. That's constantly what's being thrown at them this whole sermon. And they like, I want to get out of the situation I'm in. So let me just give all I have. So you have this woman here who's sitting in the middle of the sermon, hearing all this, being told all these lies. And she says, springs up. I want to get out of this poverty. You see why this is dangerous, my friends? Fear, guilt and desperation. Just like that was said. This is why this stuff is dangerous. Very dangerous. Let me uh, keep playing. Is what you just did? What's changed the future of your children's 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 children? Uh, you miss it. Y'all better rejoice with her. Something broke in her mind. Something changed in her heart. She said, I'm going to interrupt all these thousands of people. I got it in my hand. I'm going to give it right now. She didn't even care about what you thought about her. Because when you understand... What God is asking you to do, baby girl, I'm so happy for you. When you understand what God wants to do, then you manage correctly what he's given you to manage. Somebody say, all I have is all I need. So listen to the point. I always lose what I mismanage. I always lose what I mismanage. God would never do that. Read the end of the story of the talents. The one who dug a hole and did not multiply what God gave him, did not honor God with what he gave him. He took from him and gave it to the one who stewarded and managed it properly. And then said, get this fool out my face. Read it. He says, this wicked and lazy servant, the least you could have done is, watch this, put it in the world system and got me a little interest. If you would have put it in the kingdom, that mug would have doubled, but at least. You could have put it in the bank and gained me something. What I mismanage, I will always lose. Now, I, I allowed him to speak because he brings up Matthew 25. I, I was planning when I was putting the kips together because he brought up Matthew 25 
early in the sermon, but I decided to put these clips next to each other because he tries to give an exegesis of Matthew 25, and I want us to listen to this. Check this out. And, and, and this is when we talk about being kingdom, D-U-M-B, or ignorant of what the king says about finances and, 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 and uh, what his principles are. I want to take you to Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. And, and, and this is a story a lot of people use out of context because this is Jesus explaining the kingdom. The irony is he's about to use this passage out of context. So, so in the kingdom, Jesus wants you to understand finances. This is the second story. He says the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he tells a parable about 10 virgins, and then he tells this parable. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and underlined this word, entrusted. He trusted them. He gave them something that they did not deserve, but he trusted them with his money. To them, he was going to be gone for a while. Verse 15, he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their, what is this word? Abilities. Abilities like gifts and talents? No, 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 no. He gave them according to their ability to manage it. He's illustrating the kingdom right here. He said, and then he just left. He, he dipped on them. One, two, five. How many? One. How many? Two. And how many? Five. Most of us get caught up in what they got. Why he, why he get five? I mean, look at him. Why, hold on, hold on, hold on. I have a better education than him. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I look, I look at this. I deserve five. And we're usually comparing what God gave somebody else to what he gave us. And that was all he talked about, Matthew 25. He went on to something else. But Matthew 25, if all you see is the carnal examples of it, you miss the point. What is, a, a, what is Paris about? They often use physical examples to point to some greater reality, right? Jesus would often use uh, seed principles, farming. If all you see is Jesus teaching you how to agriculturally raise product, you're missing the point of the parable. And this is why sometimes I think chapter breaks are not helpful for us because we, we seem to miss a lot of what's going on throughout the passage. I believe Jesus is expounding on what he has been talking about in Matthew 24. What do you have in Matthew 24? Um, now, some people, depending on your eschatology, may disagree. That is fine. But hopefully we can agree that this is not how he is uh, handling the text properly. But the text is all this starts over the question. Uh, tell us when these things will become. Tell us these things will be what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age, right? Because uh, Jesus is talking about the temple being destroyed. So that provokes some eschatological questions, right? <laughs> if this is so, why is this the case, right? And so Jesus expounds throughout the passage about his return, right? The signs of his coming, right? And then the coming of the Son of Man, right? He uses a parable of, of, the, of the fig tree. And then he really starts with no one knowing 
when he comes, right? No one knows the ultimate time, the sun, the, the time of the, the hour, the day of the hour, right? And expounds on parables uh, about being ready. Because you do not know when Christ is coming, be ready, right? Christ will come at any moment or hour, any day, any second, in the twinkling of an eye. Be ready, saints, for when he comes, right, we must be ready when the Lord Jesus comes. Then Jesus breaks out in parables explaining that point, right, explaining that point. That's why he ends in the first parable. Remember, Mike Todd said he, 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 he goes into two parables. He was right about that point. The problem is the conclusion of the first parable is this. Watch, therefore. For you know neither the day nor the hour. That's the point. That's the point. And the, likewise, the parable of the second is to be ready. Otherwise, you be cast. So, so. Here's the, here's the point. Here's the problem with his analogy. The person who is worthless in how they handle what God has given, they're thrown into the lake of fire. Mike Todd conveniently leaves that part out and says, well, it's just about people managing money or not. That You've missed the whole analogy and parable if all you see is uh, how you handle your money. Right? It is terrible. Um, this is why he goes with this conclusion about the final judgment. And then the final judgment, it, it comes out of this, right? I mean, this is, like I said, sometimes chapter breaks can be helpful, but sometimes like this, it ruins the flow and the train of thought. Mike Todd completely missed it when it comes to this, this point. Completely missed it. Well, Mike Todd actually talked about repentance in this sermon. I was shocked. Problem is, you need to repent of tithing. Today, I'm going to ask you to do what I did six and a half years ago. I want us to repent. And the word repent means to turn. Today, Transformation Nation, I need you to hear me. I need us to repent for mismanaging what God has given us. And as of today, somebody shout at me today. today. We're making a change. Could you just lift your hands all over the world? So he essentially tells people, you need to repent of not tithing. You need to imply these principles that I'm saying in this sermon and repent of that. You know, Mike Todd wasn't that bold when it came to homosexuality. You know, he was not that bold when it came to tell trans people they should repent. He is more bold to tell people they need to repent of this non-biblical practice, you know, tithing, than it is man's sexuality. He he won't all he won't tell the homosexual to repent, the trans person to repent. He's embarrassed, right? Trans is in the name. Anyways, well. I hope you guys, uh, you don't, uh, I, hope, well, I hope you don't enjoy that, <laughs> but I hope you enjoy my analysis of that. I got big news, guys. We'll, we'll transition to an, oh, wait, hold on. Before we get into that, before we get into that, th this is why, this is why this issue is important. Um, where is that? Um, 
where is this? Yes, yes, let me share my screen here. This is why, before, before we go to a transitionary period, this is why this is important. Um, if you have not heard, uh, Pastor Judah Smith is being sued. He is the pastor uh, of Justin Bieber, or at least formerly it was that the case. He's being sued. But notice what he's being sued for. Says a Seattle area megachurch that counts celebrities such as Russell Wilson, Justin Bieber, among its thousand members, has been accused in a lawsuit of requiring employees to donate some of their earnings back to this religious organization or risk being fired. So tithe or be fired is the message of Judah Smith. It says employee Rachel uh, Kellogg alleges uh, church home and its leaders engaged in a systemic uh, scheme of wage and hour abuse against their employees including the requirement that all employees tie 10% of their gross earned wages per month, according to the lawsuit filed in King County Superior Court last week. So not only do they have a tax, they're being tied. I mean, so, I mean, at least probably like 20% of their income is just being taken out of their check. And they're being under compulsion. Now, the Bible clearly says we're not to give under compulsion. But this uh, Judah Smith and the leadership there, I mean, forcing them to tithe. I mean, my goodness. I mean, but this is the consistency of the tithe message. Now, it's totally unbiblical, right? We're going on. It says, if they didn't, the lawsuit states, they would face pressure, discipline, or termination. Kellogg, who worked in video and production for Church Home, uh, says she wasn't informed of the policy until after her hiring in 2019. Of course, <laughs> they're going to be upfront and honest. When they're practicing this unbiblical practice to you, right? So the lawsuit argues the practice violates the state's commissioner's protection act, as well as an hour and wage laws. Regardless of whether this is a church or not a church or a nonprofit or a for-profit corporation, requiring employees to rebate any wages to an employer is an unfact, uh, unlawful practice, says Eric Neusser, one of Kellogg's attorneys at Turo Marshall Law Group. The lawsuit includes communications between Kellogg and employees who mentioned the need for her to tie 10%, as well as a supervisor reprimanding her with the expectation that you get in rhythm with our company policy on tithing. Now, we read earlier about how uh, the Bible does not command us to tithe. It, it says free giving, not under compulsion, and uh, expecting nothing in return. This is clearly in repulsion, under compulsion. This is being forced to tithe or get fired. That sounds like compulsion to me. It says the reprimand came after she stopped tithing because she was struggling financially due to a 2020 car accident, the lawsuit said. Now, I wonder if they helped her out during this financial struggle. You know, she's in a she's working for you. She she just got in a pretty bad car accident, which caused some of these financial struggles. One would think the church would be willing to help her. But that's probably an unanswered questions it says the church declined an interview request from seattle times on wednesday church home said in a statement from attorney attorney nathan uh, nathaniel taylor that it's employee handbook and statement of faith including tithing that the church doesn't deduct tithe from employee paychecks but ask all employees to live out this practice it's it's the classic uh wordsmith language we're not forcing you but you better do it i'm sure that's how it works right says the First Amendment protects a church's right to restrict employment to those employees who choose to abide by church teaching. Um, so pretty much because they're under the church teaching, they got to employ by they got to abide by the church's teachings. 
Church Home intends to vigorously defend the rights of all religious institutions to live, teach, and model their faith through their employees, the statement said. The lawsuit names Church Home as a defendant along with the pastors Judah and Chelsea Smith, uh, CEO. Well, there's one issue, right? Pastor Chelsea Smith. Anyways, CEO David Kroll and his wife, Jenna Kroll. The Smiths and David Crowes are on the 10-member board of directors, which also includes former Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson, now the Denver Broncos. Wait, Russell Wilson is on the uh, member board of directors with his wife out there? Uh, anyways, it says the Smiths has been long, have, have long been face of a, of a movement of churches that has garnered followers and criticism for their highly produced sermons. And embraced off social media. Earlier this month, musician Lionel Del Rey released an album that included nearly five minutes of Smith preaching. That's interesting. Church Arm is primarily supported by membership ties and offerings, according to a 2021 2022 financial report. In 2022, the organization listed $35. million in total assets. You see why people demand tithing, i.e., forcing people to give? Man, this, this is very sad, very sad stuff. Very sad. Um, my prayers are to those who go to this church to leave and embrace the true gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, churches that don't demand you give, but hey, f- you freely give here. Uh, pastors that are not trying to get rich off of uh, the backs of those, especially off of a false message, false gospel. Hey, freely give. We freely give because we freely receive. That is the gospel message. So I hope those who are watching this under the slavery of tithing will embrace a, a message that is, hey, give what you can, free giving, be generous with you what you can. If you don't got it, that's okay. We'll help you. Again, I want to take this time to transition 